So I want to take just a few minutes this morning, and I want to answer two major questions regarding the purpose and the result of short-term missions work like we engaged in here uh, a few days ago in Algomas. And the first question I've already mentioned is why? Why go to Algomas? What, what was our point as a team or as a church, you guys sending us? What, what was the purpose? And then the second question is, now the trip is over, now what? And the answers are much more important than you may realize. But get, to get to the bottom of this, we have to set, very quickly, a biblical framework for outreach, evangelism, missions in general. And there's a ton of places that we could turn to, because the Bible has quite a bit to say in this realm. But for time's sake, we're going to hit just a couple this morning. And the first one we should automatically jump to is Jesus' final words to his disciples in Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Many of you are familiar with this. This is the Great Commission. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Or we could look again at his words right before his ascension into heaven in Acts 1.8. He tells his disciples, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The idea here is that God's people are to, as Tammy said, go and tell. Go and tell the world about him. We see Paul teaching a similar idea in Romans 10, 14, and 15 after explaining that all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved, whether Jew or Gentile. He then says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. There are many other such passages where the importance of sharing and proclaiming God's offer of salvation and call to repentance are so, so, so important. And our motivation for this is found in passages such as Matthew 25. If you look at Matthew 25, again, this is a passage that we've referred to fairly often. It's, a, again, a motivation for why we go. What, what's the urgency here? And starting in verse 31 of Matthew 25, Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from the other, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave Me food. I was thirsty, and you gave Me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. 
I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then also they will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And again, in John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we know through looking at, again, we just, we just did like survey of the New Testament here. We know that we are all sinners deserving death, but through the death of Christ on the cross, all who call on him and repent from their sin can be saved from his wrath. This eternal salvation from God's just wrath is available through Christ alone. And when we all stand before the throne at the end of time, it will be too late to change sides. Therefore, there should be a sense of urgency for God's people to proclaim the love of Christ to the ends of the earth as God has called us to and as God expects us to. That's why missions is important. That's why we went. There are several inherent dangers that naturally accompany short-term trips like this that we tried very hard to avoid. As Tammy said, this trip was different than many others, and we did that intentionally. Pitfall number one is that the need is great. And you may look at that and think, okay, well, how is that? What's the, what's the danger in that? But the physical and spiritual need is global. All right? I grew up in a church that was very involved in short-term missions. We went to new sites and new cities and worked with new ministries every year. I've, I've been all around the country, I've been all around the world doing missions work on these short-term trips. Short-term trips. It was fun, it was hard work, but we accomplished little of eternal value because we came, we worked, we left, and that was the end of it. Of all the trips I went on growing up, I have no idea what became of anything that we did or supported because we never went back. This form of what I refer to as spiritual tourism, if you're on the, the group, you heard me talk about that. Jumping around from place to place is ineffective at best. With this trip, we chose Anopra because that's where God opened the door for us. David and Michelle are friends of mine with an established ministry that Kelly and I have been supporting personally for a while now. They rely heavily on teams like ours coming alongside them and helping them accomplish the physical foundation of their ministry to better equip them to reach the people of their community. Some of our team members have alluded to some of the reasons why. That teams coming and doing physical labor, that's a, that's a critical part of their ministry model. It allows them to take the money that they gather in tithes and use that to minister to their church members. Our goal was first to use the resources and the physical strength that God has blessed us with to help them be better prepared and able to reach their community with the gospel. In reality, as English-speaking white Americans, we can do little to change the lives or hearts of the people of an opera in four days. That's just, if we're just going to lay it out there, that's, that's the truth of the matter. But we can help David and Michelle build on the foundation they have already prepared 
and make it easier, make it more efficient for them to continue their already existent ministry every single day. So our four days there, hopefully, made a long-term impact in their ability to continue to reach the people they're already working with. That was goal number one. Our second goal was to seek to establish a relationship with them so that Sardis can come alongside them for years to come and continue to assist their ministry as needed and to continue to see the fruit that God produces from that work over the next several years. To be able to call and talk to them and see the difference that that hole in the wall, the frame that we made for that door to be able to access so that they can house more uh, teams so that the students, the children can access both, both facilities without having to leave the secured premises there. Uh, to be able to see the difference that that makes, how that changes their ministry. To be able to see that over time and not just come and, go, come and serve and then go home and move on. The need is, is, the, the, the need is great. The need is huge. And so it's the first pitfalls to look and go, well, what, what can we really, four days, what, what can we really do? Is it really going to make a difference? And the answer here, because of this situation, is yes. Four days serving there is going to make, and hopefully did make, a huge difference. The second pitfall is to be distracted by the poverty. You heard almost everybody at some point in some way mention the poverty there because it is up front and in your face. The team this week was confronted by physical poverty like they have never seen before. And our hearts legitimately break for people living there. However, while working to improve their living conditions is noble, that's a a good thing, that cannot be our focus. Our ultimate goal is not to be able to make is not to make them able to live like us. In fact, for many of their church members, it was Hannah that brought up the fact that she saw how much joy there was in their lives despite how little they had. For many of their church members, their joy in the Lord should challenge us to live more like them. I think for most of us, while we were there, seeing and working and ministering, we realized that what we consider sacrifice is nothing in the grand scheme. We, we, are, we can be distracted by their poverty because we are too easily distracted by our own wealth. We should be as convicted by our own selfish material excess as we are with their material deficiency. So our target should be first and foremost the spiritual poverty that exists in that community. It is very real. It is a very dark and present force. That's our focus. That's what we're attempting to change. That's what's going to make an eternal difference. And third, and perhaps the most serious pitfall, though, is the tendency to isolate this particular week from the rest of your life. For those that went, and that's not just for the team members, that's for everybody sitting out in the congregation as well. For those that went, most of us can't wait to go back. Hopefully for many of you that didn't, you can't wait to go next year. The big question is, what are you doing now? Which is question number two that I mentioned earlier. Now what? We're not called to live our normal lives here 51 weeks a year and go on mission one one week a year. That's, that's not what the picture that Jesus painted in those passages that we read where his disciples are to go and tell, to go be my witnesses. So the reality is the same spiritual poverty we experience there exists here. 
in Swansea, South Carolina, as it does in Anapra, Mexico. We were blessed as a missions team, legitimately blessed with an opportunity to see and participate in what God was doing in Anapra, in their context. But that is not your context, and that is not my context. God in His sovereignty has placed you and I here with different opportunities in front of us, with different jobs, with different spheres of influence, with different gifts and different skills in order to reach the people He's put in our lives, in our context. While we were there, we worked hard every day. We got outside our comfort zones, all in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we served our brothers and sisters in Christ, asking and expecting nothing in return. We had grace and mercy with one another as team members. We bore one another's burdens as team members. We fell in love with the people, and our hearts broke over the sin and the lostness in the community, and we did it all in the name of Jesus because of what He has done for us. And also, while we were there, you as a church prayed for us. I got so many texts that week from different people in the church praying for you. Prayed for this today. Prayed for that today. You prayed for us. You funded us. You've asked about ways to continue the mission. Many of you are planning to go next time. You've gone above and beyond to support what God is doing there with passion and excitement. The reality is, though, that this is our context and that same spiritual poverty does exist here. And so my question, my challenge for you is, do we have the same passion and fervor and support and brokenheartedness over the people in our context? Are we as willing to deny ourselves and serve the Lord no matter the cost here as we are there? Are we showing grace and mercy to one another? Again, you saw we had a very different group, varying ages, different personalities, all in very close quarters all week long. There was a lot of grace and mercy going around. And it was a beautiful thing. But are we doing that in the church? Are we doing that among these brothers and sisters? Are we seeking to sacrificially serve the Lord every single day regardless of where we are? We get one week a year at most to share in their context with them. And that's a great thing, something we can rejoice in. But we have 51 weeks a year to minister in our context where God has placed us. What are we doing with that time? As Michelle and the praise team come to close us out with worship, this is my challenge to you, whether you win or not. We are to be on the mission field for the Lord each and every day. We are to leverage the blessings that God has given us, not to serve ourselves, but to serve others and to proclaim His name. I pray this trip not only helped further ministry in an opera, but that it reignites our passion for the people around us. I pray that that this experience will open our eyes to the need and the hurt around us and motivate us to be passionate about spreading the gospel in our context each and every day until the next time we get to go be with them. What are we doing 
with those other 51 weeks a year. I'm going to close this in prayer. And then we're going to direct your attention to the God we serve. The one who, in whose name we do missions. And the one whose name that we serve and pray and work. And have grace and mercy with one another. And we're going to praise His name this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for today. The opportunity that we have to stand here and relay just as best we can in words what we experienced this past week. Lord, we lift up David and Michelle and their ministry in an opera. We thank You for their willingness to, to walk away from everything walk away from their ministry in North Carolina and serve in an opera full-time to learn the language and be able to be your mouthpiece there in Juarez. Lord, I thank you for the blessing that you've given us to be able to not only see what they're doing, to be, to, but to be, to be a part of it. But God, I pray that you would help us not to get, not to let us assume or to think or to view missions as what happens over there, but that that would be who we are as Christ followers every day and everywhere. Wherever you have us, wherever you lead us, wherever you take us, in whatever context we're placed, whatever people we're around, Lord, help us to be, to be missionaries each and every day. To be your witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth in Swansea, in South Carolina, throughout the U.S. and across the world, wherever you open the door. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to see and to feel the urgency of the need as we see that day drawing nearer and nearer and nearer. Lord, we don't know how much time we have, but we know we're closer today than we were yesterday. Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, that you would ignite that fire in our hearts, that we would leverage everything that you've given us Lord, that we would renounce it all in your name. Give it, turn, give it all over to you that you would use us to not only bring honor and glory to your name here, but also to, to increase, to grow your kingdom. Lord, help us to take the gospel everywhere we go. Help us to be on mission every minute of every day. And Lord, we thank you so much for the great hope that we have in you and what you did on that cross. Lord, I pray that you would help us so be so in awe and so in love with you and with that that we wouldn't be able to not share it with anyone and everyone, regardless of the cost, regardless of the circumstance. Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise your name. And I pray that as we worship you this morning, that it would be from a right heart attitude, that we would Lift high your name and praise your name for who you are, for how great you are, for everything that you have done in an opera and everything that you're going to do here. And Lord, I just thank you so much, not only for the, the opportunity to be a part of what they're doing, but to be a part of what you're doing here. Lord, I pray that you help us to not lose focus or take our eyes off of that. And may our worship of you this morning be pleasing to you. And it's in Christ's name. Amen.